I showed that. Nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. You're listening to Ain't Nobody Listening on the most experimental station in the whole wide nation. I'm your host, Abdullah Ma'wali, and with me in the studio is the one and only Salam Al Harthi. Welcome to the studio. <laughs> Thank you very much, Abdullah. Thank you for having me. I don't even know how to begin to introduce you, but I would say what I'm curious about talking about today is <laughs> finances, because I'm a 31 year old who is barely getting his finances together and you offer a lot of valuable content on financing. Now, you're the CEO of uh, MB Petroleum? Yes, I am. How how long have you been the CEO for of uh, that? Uh, as a CEO for MB Petroleum, uh, going on eight years now overall, but uh, you know, my career was far, far way before that. I started off with Shramba uh, J when I graduated from Sudan Khabus University as a petroleum engineer. Mm. Uh, worked with Shramba J for four years, then joined PDO for seven years, then joined a drilling contractor for another five years, and then another drilling contractor for five years until Sheikh Mohammed Barwani, uh, you know, called me for his company to take over as a CEO of his company. So I've been I've been with them since then. How has it been to be a CEO of such a company with prominence here in Oman? Well, I, uh, the way I see it, uh, I don't know, is uh, because it's not that I took over all of a sudden. Uh, mm. It came to me with my experience. So, alhamdulillah, it came normally because after 25 years working in this industry, you face so many challenges, so many experience. Mm. So by the time you come to that position, then I will assume it comes normally. So yes, it's a good thing, but alhamdulillah, I had the maturity enough to navigate uh, that that position, basically, yeah. How does anyone ever know if they have gotten to the right maturity level? You know, uh, imposter syndrome, I feel like a lot of people face it once they enter, um, I, I guess, a, a new position or a new step in their career. Yeah. And I know for sure that's something that I... Uh, I I work I constantly work on and I wonder if you've ever faced anything like that. Uh, a good thing that you brought that point in the imposter syndrome. I personally uh, know because if you go through my my career, I, I went through different challenges. You know, I, uh, and I went step by step. I actually started from zero at the field where I was mm. painting and cleaning. Even painting. though, I'm, yeah, painting and cleaning. Even though I'm an engineer, mm. but how Shrambaje, I mean, and PDO trained me, we start from scratch. So we actually see how the the, the guys are working mm. at the field, and as you grow, you go through this different position. By the time you're a manager, then you've already developed the maturity enough to avoid any imposter syndrome that comes with it, you know. Right. And so, before I became a CEO, I was a COO. Chief Operating Officer. Before oh, okay. a CEO, I was a general manager for a big company. So I went through all the steps, you know. Right. And uh, and this is important. People that don't realize this, to become an executive, uh, maturity is far more crucial than experience or talent, if you ask me. Maturity. Maturity is very, very crucial. And this is why we see this big, big company, startups, uh, you know, the like of, uh, you know, let's say Google. Mm. You won't see the the, the, the owners or the, the founders becoming a CEO. They always tend to bring in somebody more mature, somebody more experienced. 
because it takes a lot of stakeholder management mm. to navigate in this position. You need to, you need to deal with uh, shareholders, you need to deal with uh, banks, you need to deal with suppliers, your own employees, your clients. So that's, that's only with proper experience comes that, you know, not anybody just for the sake he's very talented can, mm-hmm. can do that. But how do we even go about defining maturity then? Because I feel like that could be subjective, perhaps. Well, a good question, failure. My answer to you is failure. You have to go through failures one after another to learn from it, all right? Uh, the fact that somebody can teach you uh, is not as good as you experience it. Mm-hmm. I'll give an example for myself. When I, was, when I became a general manager at the age of 31 in Saudi Arabia, uh, I thought I had all the you know, the energy and power to to run the company. So I will take all the responsibility to myself. Mm. And five years down the road, I was attacked by a burnout. And one of the points that I had to resign because I will take everything to myself. So that taught me that, and I made a promise myself, my next position, I'll make sure that the people under me, my lieutenant, mm-hmm. are very well competent. They know what they're doing and I should learn how to delegate my responsibility to them. And it's been working beautifully. So, so those type of thing, you don't, you don't just, you can just, you can read at the books, you can, you know, but you have to experience it to, you know, to, to know how to deal with it basically, you know, and I have a lot of example of that sort, you know. If you don't mind, I would love to spend some time here because it very much connects to my experience, not uh-huh. only in the idea of being in a position which makes you prone to burnout, particularly yeah. if you take on all the responsibility, because you, you you have this idea, you have this vision and that you're passionate about, yeah. right? But also the fact that you're 31 years old at the time and I'm 31, okay. I feel like I'm constantly at the brink of burnout. <laughs> all right, okay. But at the same time, I'm very, very driven by what I would like to achieve And okay. so there's this constant battle between you have to get over yourself and get things done. And also you have to take care of yourself for the long run. Correct. 100%. And, and finding that balance is not clear. At least when you're living the situation, it's not clear. Okay. Again, I was in that position yeah. and I can understand exactly what, what you're going through now. Uh, life balance is crucial. Work-life balance is very, very crucial. Mm. And you cannot learn that from the book. It's through experience you learn that. For example, uh, I always talk about the 80-20 rules, right? You do 20% of the work to give you 80% of the production, mm. right? But you cannot just learn in the book that is through your experience, you know how to do that. For example, uh, through experience, if, if, if I have 100 emails, mm. I can easily go through it very fast and look which are the top 20 emails that I need to focus on that will, that will have the biggest impact of my day. As in the top 20%? Yes, yes. that will have the biggest impact of the day, mm. right? Emails from my shareholders, very important. Email from my clients, very important. Email from my, you know, my critical suppliers, very important. The remaining emails, they are important, but... I shouldn't give it that much. I can delegate to other people. I can automate it, you know, for example, so many things I can do it. So, so by that, by spending, you know, that 20%, I've already saved a lot of time, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, another thing is that 
this I forgot the theory is also when you attack a certain project, you need to understand that you, you need to decide how long will you end up closing that project. Because if you say that this particular project, I'm going to do it in one week, you'll get it done in one week. <laughs> but if you say I'm going to do it in two two hours, you'll be surprised. You'll really? get it done in two hours. If you say a year, it, it will take a year. For, exactly. <laughs> so you need you need to you need really be truthful to yourself when, yeah. you, you, when you approach a certain project. So you combine the 80-20 and this together, all of a sudden you have this so much ample of time freed up to you. So I guess the the idea of experience comes in determining what are those 20% priorities. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because that couldn't that might not be clear if say you're just starting out. You, you know, you everything seems important. Everything um, seems like do or die. <laughs> 100%, 100%. Yeah. And uh, and 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 this came uh, again I learned th- this through experience because I remember when I was I don't remember. I was a general manager. Mm. I got an email from my CEO. All right, it was uh, between me and you. It was not that urgent. Mm. All right, I could have done it in like five minutes. So I had to focus somebody else, something else. But I really got a lot of trouble because he told me point forward, if I send an email, you get it done. Mm-hmm. You see things like this. So priority, not necessarily important. Also, you need to look at for yourself as well. How is it important for your career and your growth? Mm-hmm. So if you get an email from your CEO or from your shareholders, irrespective of what it is, you need to address it. Right. For whatever reason that might be. Yeah. So this comes only with experience, with time, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and uh, yeah, and the belief that uh, work-life balance is crucial. Because when we are young, we have so many energy, we don't we feel that it's not important, but in reality, it is it is everything. It is everything to have time for your family, time for your kids. Mm-hmm. And I, until this very day, I regret uh, not knowing at least my first two child's memory when they were when they were young. I, I can't even remember. You that, can, I can't grow. remember. I can't remember how, when they were young. Did I carry them or did I play with them? Because I was so busy. 90 to 80% of the time I was working around the world. I worked in Indonesia, Malaysia, North China Sea, Iran, uh, Singapore, you know, France, Nigeria. So all those places while my family were in Oman, you know what I'm saying? So I always regret that. So that's why my, my last daughter, I tried to put everything for her because life is, is, is just too short. It's very precious not to, I mean, I always ask myself and I tend to tell the people, if you are at the death, bad mm-hmm. right what what the last word do you say i regret doing what do you don't say i regret that I, i didn't become a ceo i regret i didn't make enough money no you don't you don't end up saying things like this you say I, re- i i wish i had more time with my father i wish i had more time with my family i wish i had more time for my religion and all that yeah yeah so those are the things that people need to think yeah pursuing money is good yeah but so long you know what is your objective is mm. i think it was uh, umar bin khattab who said Uh, work in this life as if you you're going to live forever mm. but work for your afterlife as if you're going to die tomorrow right so that's the perfect balance we need to find if you think about that when when you felt that you missed out on those early days with uh, your kids you were there physically but you just weren't there mentally or were you not both, there physically both i was not there physically and when i was there i was not there mentally as well right okay you know you're young you're mm. energetic you're very very ambitious you don't you, you take this thing for granted mm. this is what i'm saying so l- learn from me 
to the future generation. I went through it. Don't do the same mistake again. Can I just say I'm paying very close attention to everything you're saying because right now this reflects a lot of my current experiences. Okay. I, I do realize that I have a lot of growth to do. Um, and so speaking to people who have, like you who have been through similar situations really is helpful. We have um, one of our employees is a huge fan of yours. Okay. Her, na- her name is Hadir and she specifically asked me to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that you yourself went into time management, but that's she wanted to know for you personally, how do you go about managing your time when you have so many things going for you right now, mashallah? Actually, I did discuss this. Uh, people need to understand those who follow me on Instagram that's what, like 20, 30 or one minute? Mm. Okay, there's another 24 hours in a day, right? Okay. <laughs> so they need to understand that. There's no, so they realize the thing by me showing on Instagram that, that, no, that's only one minute of my life, okay? Mm. That's one. Secondly, they need to understand also, uh, I have a very strong, competent people, which is supposed to be, right? A good CEO has to have a very strong lieutenant under him. Mm-hmm. All right, people who you can delegate, and at the same time, it's not about delegation, it's also check on them, mm-hmm. right? Yes, I do delegate, but they're always in constant reporting back to me, right? Okay, and uh, because of my job, it's not only nine to five, I'm working 24 hours, mm-hmm. especially in our industry where it's all in gas, where our units are across the, the desert, they're working as we speak now, so I'm, I'm on call anytime, right? Right, okay. So uh, it's all about, you know, giving the right responsibility to the right people and you do what a CEO needs to do. It's basically strategy, right. uh, direction, advice. Uh, therapist. Uh, therapist, <laughs> you know, people management, you know, stakeholder management, you know. And, uh, and so long you, you know mm. that whoever makes mistakes in your organization, that you are the ultimate accountable. And right. that's, that's the key. And this message that you need to tell your people that if you make a mistake, then I'm accountable for that mistake, right? And and so long they feel that one, they, they feel good about it, yeah? Because they feel like someone is taking responsibility. Exactly. exactly. Someone yeah. somewhere is taking responsibility for this whole ship, yeah. with it, which is very important. Yeah. Yeah, so is it? Do you have Google a Google Doc? Like, do you use a specific software? Do you block your time? Is there any specific things that you do like that? I I, I, te- I used to use a lot of production type of software. Mm. One of them uh, is called Notion. You've heard of Notion? No. It's a very powerful app that I tend to use that more or less, you know, design my time. And uh, But uh, then I realized I don't have time to put on Notion, <laughs> you know. So I'm just using my normal, uh, you know, Outlook uh, calendar, all right? right. And, uh, and, and that's uh, worked beautifully for me. And most of what I do, if you think about it, is... Uh, uh, is you know after seven eight o'clock like now four o'clock you know mm. and by the way I do I'm, I'm I'm preparing my PhD now as well right, right? yeah so hopefully it's we'll, management if I'm not mistaken yeah in entrepreneurship management and innovation right. yeah I do teach twice some twice a week uh, at uh, at the university what do you teach uh, well uh, the current classes they gave me is principle of management okay so so that, we're learning it for free right yeah, now yeah. <laughs> so that's done and i think the next next semester will be entrepreneurship okay right so yeah so and uh, i well i didn't I, well under me is i mean under my responsibility currently with the company is not just oman so i have oman bahrain uh saudi kuwait Mashallah. hungary 
Austria, Romania, Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing from you is delegate, delegate, and supervise. So so there, you delegate. You don't take on all the tasks because that's how you burn out. Yeah. Um, but then to be in constant loop with what is happening by reporting back at you. And, and have these critical meetings. I have like two meetings a week with my my management. Mm. It's like an hour meeting, so they give me all the feedback. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so as long you're on top of your things, you know, today if my shareholder asks me anything about my company, whether it's here or around the world, I know exactly what's going on, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, if I'm needed, I know when I'm needed. If there's something critical that I need to go to, to visit the client or go to the field, mm-hmm. I'm there, you know? But I like to allow my lieutenant to shine as well, yeah. Because they that to get them motivated and and they learn from that. So when it comes to managing businesses or organizations, mm-hmm. it's interesting how every CEO or manager of an organization I speak to has some different ideas of how to interact with their employees. Mm-hmm. I've had conversations with people where they literally said to me, mm-hmm. you should not let them see that you're human, okay? Seriously? <laughs> I will not name names, but this mm-hmm. was literally a quote that was said to me. And then and then the other hand, and the, and the other complete other hand is, I want them to feel like I'm their best buddy, right? And so I wonder... I'm sure it's somewhere in between, but I don't know in what ratio. How how vulnerable are you with your own employees? Because I think that's what it comes down to: vulnerability. How willing you're, how willing are you to be vulnerable in front of your employees? Okay. Uh, when I did my executive training at London Business School in UK in mm-hmm. London, uh, one of the very powerful quote that really resonated with me is: uh, "Leadership is about being yourself more with skills." What does that mean? Be yourself more with skills. What okay. what it means that you need to be an authentic leader. Leader, be yourself. Mm. The reason why you are unique or I am unique because we all been subjected to a unique environment since when we were a kid. You know the the surrounding. So you are one of the billion, and I'm one of the billion. Mm-hmm. You cannot be Mahatma Gandhi or you know the other leaders. You are you. That's what makes you unique. And uh, unfortunately, the example you just gave me, people tend to pretend to be a leader by showing no emotion. Then they're trying not to be themselves. Yeah. They're creating a huge wall. Yeah, which is a big, big mistake. For one, people see through you. Okay, Mm -hmm. your employee will see through you that you are not truthful. And there were all the things start falling apart. Mm. All right. The way how I treat my employee or how I act in front of my employee is exactly the same way you're going to see me at home. Yeah? Yes. Really? I'm the same person. With that openness? With that openness, I'm the same person. Whether I'm joking, laughing, shouting, whatever, that's the same. Mm. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I make sure that my people know that I have weakness as well. Yeah. Everybody has weaknesses, right? By being authentic... People, some people may not like it, but many will like it because you are being truthful to them. Mm-hmm. At least they can, at least they know who they're talking to. Mm-hmm. You got my point? And, uh, and alhamdulillah, and I won't, I won't consider that a leadership uh, technique. It's just I'm being me. But what if, let's say, you, who, who you are, and I'm not talking about you, but whoever the leader is, uh. what if the, the true them that they are uh. is not conducive to work? 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> and then he is not supposed to be in that position. <laughs> okay, he will not listen. I, I, I trust in the system. I trust in yeah. the in the corporate ladder system. I will hope that the people who put him in that position mm. see seen something good for him to achieve to that position. Otherwise, you you end up going the the the, 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 the syndrome. What do you call imposter it? syndrome? Imposter syndrome. Because like if you put somebody in a position mm. that he's not supposed there, oh yeah. my God, you can see all the imposter syndrome and, and, and think that he doesn't believe that he's that position. But to be fair to mm. that point, mm. I've met people who absolutely deserve to be in the position mm. that they're in, but they it's just they have to take the step of believing it themselves. Yes. Because sometimes you see something in someone that they may not be seeing it themselves. Mm. In fact, uh, when it comes to the world of creativity and media, that is often the case. Those who spent the most hours alone and honing their skills and getting amazing at it are also very insecure about it. And they need someone to say like, no, listen, you're actually good. And here is a platform. And it might take them a long time for them to accept the fact. And this is a form of imposter syndrome. They think I am not where I don't know how I came here and um, maybe this isn't a place for me. Um, In fact... Oftentimes, I've noticed that those who are overtly confident <laughs> yeah. tend to not uh, be all that, you know, when put in, in the situation. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I won't tell you that to become the top in the organization is mm. all about how good you are, mm. right? Politics plays a role. Right. Right. At one point, you need to press the right buttons, all right? It is what it is, right? You need to play the game to to reach to the to the to the to the to the, to the very top. Now uh, there are two types of personalities: there's the introvert and the extrovert, right? Yes. Uh, people believe that extrovert are good leaders, but no, I believe both can be good leaders. I'm a hundred percent an introvert. Yeah. I wonder what you are. I'm an extrovert, okay. obviously. <laughs> Otherwise, so yeah. even introvert could be a fantastic leader. I mean, Gandhi was an introvert, and he was one of the best leaders. Uh, now. At the end of the day, it's the person needs to take the step. Right. Nobody will guide him. Nobody will look after him, unfortunately. Right. Okay. If that person doesn't so initiative that he wants to run a department, hmm. I, I may tell him that you're good enough, you have the skills, but if he himself doesn't want to, then there will be another hundred people knocking at the door. <laughs> right or wrong? hundred okay? yeah. percent. So, but as I mentioned, please be yourself. Yeah. All right. Sometimes maybe our culture doesn't, uh, maybe people will be thrown from that, you know, oh, this guy, he's a CEO, but... They have yeah. a, pre- a preconceived notion of yes, what the CEO exactly, should act exactly, like, exactly. And, right? I, yeah, I truly <laughs> believe that if, I've, if, I've, if I haven't been myself, I won't be reaching to the position I am now. Hmm. Because the, some people may like it, some people may not, but it's, it's what you get. This is me, hmm. you know, and this is how I can, you know, maneuver around with my personality. Yeah. Right. So I tend to, you know, of course, when I say be yourself more with skills, then yes, be yourself more, be yourself, but make sure that you have skills that goes with that. Uh, Was you know, negotiation skills, financial skills, uh, at what point you cannot say a certain sensitivity, you know, for example, I was in London Business School, I was actually trained how to deal with journalists. Okay. Okay. So they put are you using your training right now? You're being nice to me. <laughs> I mean, the, the scenario they gave me is that uh, the company is burning, is candless, and mm. then I'm faced by like so many journalists and try to. So it's what to say, what not to say. Okay, but those are skills that you learn, mm. right? 
So I'm not saying using your personality and just throw everything. No, use your personality, be yourself. But remember, there are certain skills that that is a red tape you cannot. And that's where you need to learn from schools or whatever, yeah? Yeah. So we're going to go out on a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about finances. Yeah, sure. This is Oman FM. back with the Saddam Al-Harfi. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Yeah, thank you very much. So now the topic that uh, all of us want more of, but none of us has enough. <laughs> you can say that, yeah. And that's money. And now I was telling you a story off air about um, a little bit about my experience with f- my finances. I'm 31, as you know. And when I turned 30, for the first time in my life, and I don't know why it never occurred to me, I have ideas, you know, our family never spoke about it, our school system never really pushed it. But I turned 30, looked at my bank account, and what I saw scared me for the first time, because 30 is quite a milestone. Halas, you're not a kid anymore, right? Uh, a lot of people are married, they have families. It is upon you, I believe now, to take responsibility over your finances. It's not cute that you're not taking yeah. responsibility over your finances. So I look at my account and I am worse off than when I began working. And that put a fear in me, a new fear in me that I've never experienced before. I started Googling everything. Everything. I would say within six months, I have a pretty decent grasp of how our monetary system works in the world. But what's sad is I never even had any of this my whole 20s. Why did it take me till 30 for me myself to, to, to snap out of it? How is this not ingrained in our upbringing and our, our culture? I guess we can start from there and then move on to the details. Yeah. First of all, you're lucky that you, you got a wake-up call at the age of 30, right? Most of us, or many of the people that I talk to, they are way, 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 way better than you, you know, some to the point that is uh, unfixable. Mm-hmm. You know, our educational system, and I won't say our Oman education system, in general, the education system worldwide, they don't talk about money the way it's supposed to be spoken or taught about, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it all starts off from the environment and the surrounding that you're brought up. So why, why am I consider myself special because because of my mother okay. right my mother from day one 25 years ago she will always tell me avoid debt right avoid debt and become free right so with that of course that's the easy way to define financial freedom is more complicated than that but that's that's the basic mm. that's the basic how you start off your life right you need to learn how to live within your means that's that's the whole game is to live within your means the question we need to ask ourselves or to the to the listeners are they living within the, in their means which means is what's coming in more than what's going out in in the base uh, exactly, simplest exactly. Term. Yeah. in simplest term is that whatever money you're making mm. you should you should spend less Mm-hmm. What, you, uh, what I mean, you should pay less than what you you make, and that's the very definition of being wealthy. Right. The people have a confusion uh, of being rich or being wealthy. You don't want to become rich. Why not? Because rich is a person who has a lot of money, mm-hmm. but not necessarily his net worth is positive. Mm-hmm. He could be in a lot of debt, but because he's a lot, he has a lot of money and a lot of company 
cash flow running around, he can play with the money and show to the world that he's super rich. But the moment he dies, then all of a sudden you realize this guy is, was bankrupt. And I go to, we have a, a lot of examples, you know, the, like of Michael Jackson when he died, all of a sudden he's negative something. Oh, for real? I never yeah, knew yeah. that. So, and, uh, and not only that, if somebody in that situation, he, he doesn't achieve the end happiness, right? Because at the end of the day, why, what, what we are trying to do here is to be happy. Mm-hmm. Money doesn't bring you happiness, 100%. But money is a solution to money problems that hopefully you eventually get you to become happy. I don't know whether... I, I, think, I think I get what you're saying, but we'll try to rephrase that. Yeah. Um, money is not the means, uh, but it is a, a way of getting to the things that actually make you happy. The pursuit of money on its own isn't what will bring happiness, but it's what money can buy that, um, or provide in terms of safety, security, peace of mind. Um, you, yeah. Exactly, peace of mind. Okay, mm-hmm. now, what, what do you define peace of mind? Very simple, you can, have a, you can have a salary of 500, but if your expense is 100, 200, <laughs> you are the most happiest person in the world, <laughs> right? Yeah. Even though you don't buy big things or you cannot afford a luxury boat, that's beside the point. Luxury mm-hmm. boat doesn't make you happy, okay? Being Debt free, being able to have a control of your life, that's what brings you happy, makes you makes you happy, right? Yeah. So we should all strive to become wealthy rather than to become rich, all right? And you do that by living within your means. And th- the problem is a lot of us doesn't know the definition of living within the means mean. Okay. It doesn't mean that I should drive a Range Rover with mm. a salary of 1,000. doesn't mean I can buy a house in Mabela rather than Chateau Khorum. Mm. That's where we lack, right? That's where we lack. And, uh, and that's where in my Instagram talk or whatever, I try to educate uh, people how to become financial free, financial freedom. Right. There is research and I, um, I can't reference it right now. So you could Google it yourselves uh, to, to fact check it. But it, it says something along the lines of research has shown that under a certain um, financial bracket, having more money actually is going to bring you more happiness. But uh, there is a certain plateau after your basic needs are met that anything more than that, that you need something extra than just money to exactly, bring you happiness. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's a typical Maslow hierarchy of needs. Yes. Right? You start with 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 safety, I don't know, some type of sociology needs, food, and then you come to the point where it's, it's self, self-esteem and then the self-actualization part, right? Mm. Yeah, you reach to the certain point, then anything on top of that doesn't doesn't do anything for you so then you have to ask a whole new question which yeah. is if it's if all this money isn't doing it for me then what am i what am i here to do you know the answer to that is freedom okay to be able to do whatever you want all right mm-hmm. in this life without having someone else you know holding onto your throat so and this is where financial freedom comes into play is that you need to Design your finances in such a way that you come to a point where the job doesn't dictate your life. You mm-hmm. should have other incomes, passive income, we call it passive income, where at least it should cover your monthly expense so that even if you lose your job, mm-hmm. you should not be threatened for the fact that you're going to 
you know, you're going to lose your job because yeah. you have other things. That's the freedom. If you achieve that one, there's nothing lovely like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think for any of us who is stuck in debt understands exactly what that means. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that exactly. freedom. Um, I'm sure some people are listening to this right now and are like, ooh, passive income. Mm-hmm. What's that and how can I get some? Okay, good. <laughs> there are two types of income. Mm-hmm. There's active income and there's passive income. And to make it very simple, active income is any income that you need to put hours in. Mm-hmm. So like a job, that's an active income because you, you're, you're substituting your time with money, mm-hmm. right? Uh, consultancy, that's an active income. So anything that you put your time in to get money, that's active income. On the other hand, passive income is making money while you sleep. Yes. Simple as that. So, for example, stock market, right? Uh, especially the, the long-term, uh, you know, uh, investing in the stock market where you make money out of dividends and what have you. So you make money while you sleep. Mm. Uh, rent, uh, uh, property, rental properties. So you get your rents per month. So hopefully you'll get money without the tenant creating a problem for you. But you're making money while you sleep. Mm. Royalty, music royalty, you know, these days. In courses. This, huh? Courses. Whatever. Course, digi- digital courses. Digital, digital courses. courses yeah, yeah, because in the normal face-to-face courses, you put time. But yes, digital courses where people just download and pay, right? Yeah. So all those, those are what you call passive income. So the concept is that you have enough passive income that you make money while you can use your time to do something you love right and so that a job that you're on is a choice and not an obligation thank you very much (laughs) that's where you achieve it when the job becomes a choice and not an obligation then then you're free that's freedom that's 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 freedom and that's where we all need to you know strive to get there and there are tools and technique how to do that and this is what i'm i'm teaching uh, i'm teaching mr salem teach Mm. me please (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) now uh, there are three types of investments, right? Mm-hmm. There, are, you can you can choose to establish a business, mm-hmm. right? You can go into real estate, or you can invest in stock market. The other investment, you know, buying and selling gold, or buying a Rolex and selling those all like not a, a well-known investment is is more or less shooting in the dark. But a proper well-known investment are those three. Now, when we talk about business. Uh, business is uh, is something that you can establish, but it has an advantage and disadvantage. Uh, the disadvantage is that it's, it's high risk, right? Uh-huh. Okay, and uh, and it, it take, takes a lot of time. It's not passive. It's not passive <laughs> at all, right? Yeah. And it takes a lot of time. Now, let me get this straight. When I say passive income, it's not necessarily you, you can go to jump to. You, in order to be to to make passive income, you need to do something first. Mm-hmm. You have to start making money. You just come out of nowhere, right? So active active income is a must to achieve the passive income. Yes. You got my point? Yeah. So like one, you can establish a business, right? You can you can hustle or you can work, mm-hmm. right? You can make all that money and then at certain point, then you can switch slowly to, to the passive income. So the next one is real estate, all right? Real estate is good, but requires a lot of capital. Right. And with the current economy, you're lucky if you get return of investment of 5 to 6%. So yeah. what left is the stock market. The stock market is uh, if if you're good enough or if you're smart enough, the return of investment ideally should be between anything in 9 to 12%. Yeah. Okay? So I've done all. I've done the business. Uh, I've done the real estate, alhamdulillah. But at this age, most of my portfolio I've transferred to, to the stock market. Mm. So, and yeah, 
last three months I was making money while I'm sleeping. <laughs> and that's uh, with dividends. Yeah, with dividends, with compounding the, I mean, how you make money out of the stock market is two way, I, either by a capital gain or dividends. Capital gain, I feel like let's, let's set some definitions okay. for people listening. Capital gain is when the value of your stock goes up. That is so correct. So it's $1, it goes up to $1, one cent, it went up by 10%. Yes, That's but capital. without withdrawing that amount. You keep it there right. and let the compounding magic play this game. Right. Right? You got so, my point, right? So 1% of uh, $1 uh, would be $1.10. But then 1% of $1.10 would be even more than So that's the compounding. Uh, yeah. Yes. And yes. that's the beauty. That's where where the, the, the secret of becoming rich is Compounds. all about. Yeah. If you see Warren Buffett, uh, he's, uh, I don't know, he's 98 years old now mm. with 130 billion net worth. He made his vast majority of his wealth in the last... 40 years. Right. Because of the compounding, mm. right? And there where when I when I when I teach a uh, stock market, I tell people there are two type of investors in the stock market. There's the daily traders and there is the intelligent investors, right? The daily traders to me they're they're, they're gamblers, sorry. Oh, was, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're gamblers. I mean, I don't believe somebody uh, will just buy Tesla stock and just because Elon Musk says something and the next day he says it with a profit. You're telling me there's no value to technical analysis. There's no science behind it. It feels like horoscope, right? <laughs> exactly, it's, it's, it's a gambling, whether we like it or not. I'm sure the daily traders would definitely disagree with me. They'll hate me. me right now. They'll disagree with me, they'll show me all this beautiful, uh, you know, algorithm and AI and tracking the market, ah, come on. To be fair, it is very beautiful. But statistically, <laughs> said it's beautiful, yes. Yeah, yeah. but statistically, uh, there's a proven uh, research that mm. daily traders within a span of five years, they're actually losing money. Mm. And the intelligent investors, they're the one who actually eventually comes out making more. So I'm assuming when you say intelligent investors, you mean long-term investors. Yes, because uh, first of all, my rule, when I teach my, my, my student, I say rule number one, do not invest in a single company. Right. Okay, why? Because we've seen that happen. Where is Yahoo now? <laughs> yeah. Where's Blackberry? Yeah. Where's Nokia? And those were massive companies. Big time. Yeah. Yeah, but company fail. All right. I, I think uh, 1% of companies in America survive 100 years. Mm. Most of them fail in the first 20 or 30 years. Right. So you always invest in some, what we call ETF or mutual funds. Right. Could we uh, establish some definitions to that for our listeners? Yeah. So mutual, there are two type of fund. There's the index fund and there's a mutual fund. Mm. Uh, index fund comes from the word index. So what is an index? If you see each country, they have their own signs or index how their market are doing. So if you take, for example, America, the, the famous index, we have the S&P 500, mm. the Dow Jones, the Nasdaq, right? So S&P 500 is basically is an index that consists of the top 500 companies in US. So it's, it's But you cannot invest in that index. Okay, okay. But you need to invest in an index fund. So there will there will come a company, hmm. they'll create Vanguard S&P 500. Sure. So Vanguard is a company, they're creating uh, an uh, an algorithm that that uh, mimic S&P 500, mm. right? So you can invest in Vanguard S&P 500. But why index fund uh, uh, people tend to go mutual fund because index funds is uh, the return of investment is not as high, so it's like eight to nine percent. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, on average. On yes. average, yeah. but mutual fund is basically a company with a very highly 
professional financiers mm -hmm. where the end objective is to beat the index fund. Mm -hmm. So let's, for example, S&P 500 consists of 500 companies, right? Mm -hmm. So Vanguard S&P 500 is basically an algorithm that mimic the index. So no much people working. It's Let just me try, if you would allow me to rephrase that just for a more layman way. Yeah. Uh, so an index fund is essentially a basket of all of these 500 companies, uh, in our case, the S&P 500, and then the value of it is the average of all, or but weighted average of weighted all, average, yes. which means the companies that have a higher market cap get weighted higher, or the value of a company that is higher will be weighted higher. And they will enter into that yeah. top 500. So yes. I'm, I'm correct in saying yeah, 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 yeah. this. Okay. So, yes. So, but I just... So there's index fund. So you can invest in an index fund. Mm. Again, index fund, there's no work required. There's no people behind it. Probably just an algorithm is mimicking the normal index. Right. But I can come in and establish Salim Fund mm -hmm. where I can promise my investors I'm going to beat that index fund because rather than me going through all 500 companies, I'm going to work very hard to choose the top 10 companies. Right. The very best. So instead, index fund is giving a return of 8%, I can give you 15% because I'm mm -hmm. going to actually work and find which are the top 10 companies. Yeah, but then you are increasing your risk and by doing so. You're increasing the risk, I won't say risk per se, mm. volatility. Yeah. You know, when you, when you choose a mutual fund, uh, how, how, when, when a market is bad, the, 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 the decline is, is more severe than an index fund. Sure. But in a long run, they all are good. Yes. So long you're waiting and uh, you give it time because you already decided on this particular mutual fund, it has like 10 top companies. Yeah. Right? Then you cannot go wrong. Yeah. You got my point? Yeah. Because you've, you've spread your eggs in all those 10 top companies, right? And, uh, and the return is higher. The only thing is that when there's a market crash, as we see now, so probably the S&P 500 will go down by 15%, that particular mutual fund will go by 20%. Right. But in the long run, the all will always go in the, in the right direction. If we picked the right stocks in our mutual fund, it's because then when you have, say, 10 stocks in your mutual fund, every one of them becomes very important because each one constitutes 10%. So doing a lot of research on the, the type of... You don't of need to do a lot of research. Really? Because when you, when you choose a mutual fund, mm. this is what you need to do. Mm. You need to check with your agent mm -hmm. uh, what is the performance of these mutual funds for the last five years, for example. Okay. So when you see that is an increment, that's, that's one, one good indication. Yeah. What are the company involves? If you see some funny named company, you need to, you need, but you only see Visa, like blue Apple, chips. Yeah. blue chips, then those are companies been there for years and years. And you get my point. They're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's very easy decision making. And mm. most of the people that I deal here, for example, the, the agents that I deal here, they will choose you one of the well, very well known mutual funds, you know, they're, okay. and the it's easy to spot them. You but know? you mentioned Warren Buffett earlier. He is a massive proponent for just investing in ETFs and like the S&P 500. That's like the thing that people quote him the most on, even though he's running his own uh, fund. Yeah. But uh, I think his advice is mainly for the, the beginners and for the day traders and all for all of those who think they can beat the S&P 500, that historically speaking, you're more likely to be wrong. How well, much truth is Warren Buffett is my is my role model. Yeah. Because he was trained by 
Graham, the author of The Intelligent Investor, mm. right? What, I, what I've been speaking all day today is basically how Warren Buffet approached the market. Okay. He's an intelligent investor. His company, Berkshire, mm. okay, is, you can consider is a, is, a, is a mutual fund by itself. Yeah. He has like 10 or 15 companies. If you check the companies, they're all top companies. There's Apple there, there's Coca-Cola, mm. there's Bank of America, there's Visa. You got my point? Yeah. Right? So he's following the concept that I'm trying to explain here. Yeah. Okay? Just buy a mutual fund, make sure there's top blue chip companies in there, and leave it. Mm. Leave it. Because it's like, I always give example, it's like buying a land in Barca, right? Mm -hmm. You know a land in Barca is an amazing land. There's population around it, the service is there, right? Mm -hmm. So you bought a good land. Let's say today, for whatever reason, the economy went down, mm. Corona or whatever, right? That land that you bought it for 10,000 went down to 5,000. Will you sell it? Uh, hell, I don't know. <laughs> Should I sell it? It was uh, 10,000. It yeah. went down to 5,000. Well, well now it? would be a really bad time to sell it. No, but, yeah. but uh, would you not have this idea that this land went down not because of the land itself, it's because of the economy? Uh, yes. And you will have the confidence that with time, that land will always go up because the population is there. People need land. Be, uh, with time, it will go up. Maybe, maybe if you're being rational about it. But usually, when you're in that situation, it does not feel rational. <laughs> exactly, and this is where the yeah. education comes to play. Yeah, it's not for everybody. And this is where, when I teach, I tend to give them one good example. Okay. If you had a money, where would be the safest place on earth to invest? Oh, you're putting me in the spot because I have a few different uh, ideas so on that. It's an easy answer. You don't need to. Uh, yeah, yeah, because uh, it really, uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear your take on this because, you know, I, I'm a novice and I hear so many things online. Okay. So I'm sure half, more than half is wrong. Some might say uh, gold, although I look at the charts of gold and I don't think it's done very well in the last 10 years. Some might say um, land. I mean, the, uh, land is not going anywhere. Um uh, okay, right? maybe I didn't and, phrase. And then others might say, ooh, crypto. <laughs> no, no. Then then maybe you didn't understand my question. Okay. If you have money, where will be the safest place on earth to invest? The safest place is equated to the most powerful economy on earth. Huh, like, so America? America, obviously, because okay. they are the number one economy, right? Sure, sure. And what would be the safest index to invest in the S&P 500? S&P 500. Because of that index fall... What happens to the world? The whole world falls. Thank you very much. <laughs> Simple as that. You, by thinking in that way, then you realize, okay, it yeah. makes sense. Right? Because people need to understand our money real is pegged to the dollar. Yeah. Today, if the dollar fell, mm -hmm. then you don't need to worry your money in, your money in there. You need to worry about yourself here. Yeah. So, and not only that, mm -hmm. a people purchase oil and energy mm -hmm. all using the US dollar. Exactly. So because the whole world that. runs on that. Yeah. Yeah. See what happened in 2008 in financial crisis. What yeah. happened? When the, the whole world was, was crippled because it all started from the US. Mm. So uh, when it comes to investment, there's no such thing as 100% risk-free. Yeah. Risk is there. Let's start from 1900 until 2022. Okay. Unless if I could draw the curve of the S&P 500 and, and its performance. Mm. In 1932, the Great Depression happened. Okay. Right? So the curve goes up and then a big drop, yeah. 1932. As we go, something happened in 1970. I think the Great Embargo or something like that, the oil embargo. Yeah. So the, the stock was going up and then it dropped. In 2008, the yeah. financial crisis. 2020, 
uh, COVID, which 2022. was 2022. I'd like to call it the Great Correction. It wasn't that COVID. No, no, no. We'll, oh, we'll get into that. No, you're telling it me it was connected. You're telling it, me another correction is coming? No, no, no. This is what I call the Great Correction. So right now we are in the correction. Yes, we okay. are in the Great Correction. I think this is a great opportunity yeah. to talk about this. As an investor, I am freaking out right now because. My portfolio went through a massive correction in the past, uh, in 2022, just starting end of 2021, all the way down to now in 2022. And then there is all this fear, uncertainty and doubt in the market right now where this is just the beginning. The real crash is coming. Now, for a person who studies the market, who understands it like you, should I go cash or should I just hold and stay in the market? My, my question to, to you those companies that you've invested in mm. do believe in them absolutely they are good companies they're blue chip they've been around forever okay. are they down because they're they're not a performing company no in fact their their earnings are amazing finish so yeah. why are you worried yeah you got my point why you want to catch it why are you worried you need to believe that this was happening now has nothing to do with those companies right yeah so that put put it on the side it's all about waiting until this correction pass through and things should go back to normal. Okay. But some might say, if I remove my money now and I go to cash... Where are you going to invest it? Yeah, so they say, right, if you hold cash... But you're lost. You're mm. lost. I mean, yeah. now you're, you're selling in, in a loss. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. You, you don't... It's like, again, I'm giving an example of the, of the land. Mm. You bought a beautiful land, it dropped down. Would you sell that land? Uh, you Maybe if you knew that it might drop even lower, then you will save like 5%, 10%, no, 10%, 20%, okay. you know? That, I mean, that is the yeah, that is, is where... No, no, let's yeah. say it dropped lower, right? Yeah. My question to you, do you believe with time things go back? I, I, I Yes, I am an optimist about life in general. So you're saying that Airbnb will never go back? Oh, yeah, so, we were talking about that earlier. I'm, I love Airbnb yeah. as a company. I love the CEO. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm particularly believe in Airbnb because of the CEO. Okay. Yeah. And I I think they're going to recover. No, that's the thing. They are not they, they don't they're not facing problem. As a company they have no problem. Their earnings are amazing. Yes, this I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's not Airbnb. It's not like Netflix. It's Netflix a, are in trouble. <laughs> Netflix, okay? Okay. Are in trouble. Netflix they are down not, uh, apart from the the great crash now. Netflix yeah. are down because their subscribers has gone down for 200,000. They reckon they're going to lose another 2 million. Price they has are gone mo- up. The model now is all uh, not as they so that's that's a company related. Yeah. Right? But if you believe the company that you invested the earnings are doing ex- amazing, then you need to take the comfort that what's going on in the market is causing this decline, yeah. not those companies. So you're not so flip-flopping you, on the market. No, th- those are daily traders. Yeah. You should be an intelligent investor. Right. Okay, you keep with time. Like I said, when I said 1900 to 2022, if you see the curve, even though there's these big crashes, but if you see the, the mean line is always in the uh, upward trajectory. Yeah. Right now, let's go back. What's going on with the market now? Because a lot, I've got, I'm getting a lot of questions. Yeah. It's scary out there. Yeah. So what happened is that in 2020, when Corona took place, mm. uh, with all the activity shutting down, people couldn't work, and what have you, the the Federal Reserve, okay, tend to print money like mm. nobody's business. They print big time. I don't know, five trillion, or whatever. Right. So they flooded the market with cash. Mm. Well, how, how the system works, the Federal Reserve is basically the central bank of America. It's called Federal Reserve. Mm. When they say they print money, basically they give the commercial bank for free. You got my point? Without any interest charge. Yeah. So when they, when they give the commercial bank for free, the banks give it to the 
investors, the people at Through very, loans very, probably and, zero interest rates. Yeah. So people yeah. that get all this money, right? So if there's so much money in the system, all right, what happened to the product and service? The prices go up. Yes, because everybody has the cash to buy, so uh, you know the demand is high. And also because there are more dollars in the market, dollars are worth less now. Exactly. But the idea is that if they have so much cash, everybody, mm. if they want to buy a certain car, right. instead of one person fighting for that car, you have 10 people fighting for that car. So that person, that mm. seller, what he will do? Up he'll the increase price. it because he doesn't have enough cars to, to come. So he'll have to increase his price. Yeah. So this is what we call inflation, yes. right? Because they printed so much money, they lost the control of inflation. Now the inflation in US is around 8%. It's ridiculous. It's it's. Very, very ridiculous because on average, an inflation should not go two to three percent <laughs> per year. You know that, right? Yeah. Eight percent is very, very bad in all aspects, especially for the middle class. Mm. People that cannot afford the food they used to afford, you know, unemployment uh, start to get, to go up and so forth and so on, right? Mm. So the Federal Reserve now has to interfere too. Lower inflation. Okay. And in order for them to lower inflation, what they do? They increase the? Uh, rates. Interest rate. Yeah. So now they're selling, they're printing, the, they're selling the money expensive to the bank. Yeah. And the bank can only loan to the people or to the company at the higher rate, right? So what, what is the implication of that for us as regular consumers? Uh, we, we have less money in the system. Yeah. We don't, we, 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 we our spending habit goes down, right? When the spend goes down, the item starts to? The prices. The prices starts to go down. The inflation goes I down. See. You see what I'm saying? Right. And from the company perspective, they don't have this cheap money anymore. So they cannot invest in their R&D, mm. in developing a new Apple iPhone or whatever. So the people like us who invest in the stock market, they start to worry, oh, I'm used to get 5% dividend. Right. But now when the company cannot, cannot grow, maybe next year I'll get 1%. So, so they have less return of investment. What they do, they tend to pull their money out from the market. Yeah. Okay. The stock market is very bad now. Most of the company won't have enough cash to grow. So let me take this market and put somewhere else. That is what's happening right That's now. That's what I have. So there is massive reduction of money so that everybody's keeping himself. Why did it take this long? Because the, these checks were given out for a, a long time ago. And, um, you know, a lot of these things when it comes to recession and, um, and inflation is also, it's weirdly, it has to do with psychology of what the majority think the money is doing right now. No, which about, is, I think it's about data, you know, it takes time from the moment the interest rate is increased or decreased to the data of inflation comes to, comes mm. to it takes time, you know, it's not something that happens in a day, right? Right, yeah. to see the implications the of implication, your decision. Right, it took yeah. like two years. Exactly, it, took, it takes time for that implication to come into light. You okay. got my point? Yeah. And they've been trying to reduce from three, the so four, okay, maybe things will correct by itself from four to five, or maybe by the time we reach eight, the Powell, the president of Federal Reserve, say enough is enough. I have to start slowly, slowly increase the interest rate. So yeah. to answer your question, yeah. when will go, things go back to normal? Yes. Is this the first or second crash? I don't know whether we're in the dip yet, yeah. right? But the end of the dip is when Powell yeah. of the Federal Reserve says that, Alhamdulillah, inflation in America is in control. Right. You got my point? I mean, he tried to say that before. It's transitory. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. It's no, all. No, but <laughs> <laughs> Once he says that, okay, yeah. because remember, this market reaction is based on his plan to increase the interest rates for the next 
three quarters. Mm. So market already reacted for the next two or three increase of interest rate. Mm. So the worst has happened. Unless he comes, I'm going to do another three more quarter. Then, then you go even. But at the end of the day, we have these two type of market. We've got the bull market and the bear market. Yeah. Right. The bull market is like a bull, right? Right. So for the last two three years, the market was amazing. Pop, pop. People, people are making money left, right, and center. I'd say longer, okay. right? Yeah. If you look at the S and P charts, it's yeah, yeah, been yeah. going on even longer than so that. So now we're going through the bear market. No, no. Okay. Not recession. <laughs> Don't confuse. Recession <laughs> is basically when when the return of investment one to other quarter is remain the same or goes down. That's two quarters in a row. Two quarters in a row, something like that. We're almost there. Yeah. But bear market is basically. The return of investment rather than the standard mutual fund that gives you eight, twelve percent, probably going to give you four, three. So it's like it's like a bear, right? Or even minus, and or is no, 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 no. It's just slow. You're getting money, you get return, but it's very slow. Like four, three has nothing to do in a year span. You mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So rather okay. than the, the eight, twelve percent, the normal S and P five hundred, you yeah. put four, five, but that too will end. The last article I read uh, by. 2024 mm. will go back to the bull market again. It's a cycle, all right? Yeah. The question that money you have in your portfolio, do you want it? Do you want to get married with your money? You want to build right. a house? Or you don't need it? If you don't need it, you keep it. And that's why when I when I talk to my student, whatever money you put in this mutual fund yeah. is the money that you... You you don't mind losing? No 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 no. Huh? Don't say that. You don't you don't need it for at least four five. Because I do mind losing my money. <laughs> no, no no no. You don't need it because yeah. you know the cycle always goes right. right? right. So let's say you put your money mm. today and tomorrow Corona happens. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't mean that uh, it won't be the end of the okay. world. Okay. And you said I need my money in two years. Don't do that. So I'll never advise you to put your money if you need in two years. What's the minimum number? I would say three to five years. Fair. Three to five years. It's very reasonable. Okay, let me give my example. Most of my money in my portfolio with the stock market. So mm. uh, I, I, I said with my wealth wealth advisor, Yeah. I told him I need to retire, let's say, within 15 years. Mm. So I've already, he knows that. The salon wants to retire in 15. He will need that money in that. So normally what he will do, two years before that, he will call me to do reorganization of my portfolio. Mm. Okay, so remove all my money in a certain mutual fund, highly volatile, and put it in a government bond. Okay. Government bond is more or less predictable. safe, predictable, yeah. very low volatility. So at least when when even Corona comes, you're more or less safe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's that's where you play the game. You know how to switch your portfolio as you come near to the point where you you need that money. So uh, I guess doing what you do, you you could you sometimes perhaps also act as a as a psychologist, particularly in bear markets. Mm-hmm. So. Advice to people who are watching this right now, who are struggling in this bear market, who are freaking out like myself, you know, um, what do I do? I would say relax, Hmm. believe in the company that you've invested and let the market go through its normal cycle. Hmm. Okay. It's correcting itself. It goes through the normal cycle with time. Things will go back. Still DCA? What is, what is that? Um, dollar cost average. I'm doing that. That's the best thing you can do. Dollar cost average is the best because now you're buying in the cheap. Yeah. You know, you're buying the cheap, you know. So continue. Yeah, continue this year. Just keep uh, buying. If, just, you, if if it's money that you don't mind not having right now. Exactly. Yeah. Three to five years because wh- where will you put your money? You'll put it in the bank. Yeah. Then you have to pay the, uh, the inflation because your value goes down. And uh, and uh, with the, of course we're paying zakah and all that. Yeah. So you need to invest your money somewhere to to do something for you. I'd just like to highlight that point you made because I'm surprised by how many people don't know this, including myself a okay. few years ago. 
by putting your money in a bank account in 10 to 20 years time that money is worth less than it is today big time right big and, time. <laughs> and i feel like why we need to highlight that because it might seem counterintuitive to some and a lot don't consider that your money is not just sitting safe and pretty in a bank account it's going down in value one dollar today or let's say one real today will not buy you the same amount of stuff that it uh that it will buy you in 10 20 100%. years so it lost purchasing power which means you need to be putting your money in a place that at least keeps up with inflation. inflation 100%. Right? Okay, 100%. And yeah. where is that place? Uh, S&P 500, I'd say. S&P 500 <laughs> or government bonds, Oman government bonds can give you 4 to yeah. 5%. But the, the problem with the government bonds normally when is a fixed deposit that you're not allowed to touch or something like that. Yeah. With S&P 500, mutual fund, you can actually you can look, look at get your money liquid just by a phone call. Yeah. Now, I'm a millennial, so I'm very comfortable using apps and uh, online platforms and all. Um, however, uh, people who are older, who actually have wealth, who they, they have accumulated wealth for a long time, but they may not have a lot of financial literacy, um, how do you go about in, uh, advising them to invest their money? Because I won't tell, I mean, if you tell them, put it on, say, eToro, That's there. It's a very uncomfortable idea for them, which yeah. is fair enough. Yeah. So who do they talk to? There are two ways of doing this: either using an app mm. or our banks. Yeah. Yeah. Bank Mascot, uh, National Bank of Oman. They have a division, a department, wealth division, mm. where you go and approach, and they will more than happy to help you. They have their minimum requirement. For example, for a lump sum investment, they may want minimum five thousand real for the Ooh. SIP. The systematic investment plan SIP, which is the DCA, the dollar cost average, yeah. they may say minimum of 500 real per month. You know, so they have their own requirement. Hmm. But like you said, for for people at that age group where they have big wealth, they are, they are, these are the perfect people. Right, they'll come up to your home and explain to you mutual funds, different funds, and and, and by the time they are done with you, you'll be very comfortable to start investing your money with them. Yeah. Uh, I I so appreciate this session because I feel like I got a financial uh, consultancy for free. We could keep going, but I know that there is another show that's happening <laughs> soon. So so we'll not keep it going. You're welcome, Ammar. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for joining no, me my today. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me anytime. Is there anything you would like to leave us with before we say goodbye? Yeah. Uh, please uh, get yourself educated the concept of financial freedom, right? Uh, the days of having a secure job till retirement are slowly, slowly coming to an end. Mm. Uh, I won't be surprised that most of our new generation will be probably, by the time they retire, go through five or six jobs. So think about how you can, you know, secure yourself financially as you reach to the age of retirement or even before that. That's my message to everybody. And if people want to reach you, how can they do that? Yeah, they can reach me on my Instagram account, uh, Salim Harthi For Real. It took you a while to think of that. Yeah, Salim Harthi For Real. And four all, as in For Real. And also, if you click the link in the bio, which I did, it will uh, show the different courses that you offer, particularly in finances. Yeah, yeah, on my website, yeah. salimharthi.com, yes. There you go. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Abdullah. Appreciate it. I feel that. Nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening.